Roger that, Houston. All systems five by five. But what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast today. We've got Ian McLaughlin, Peter Johnson, John Farthing, and I'm Hazel Burton. We're short of a Watkins and a Mayor, but uh, it's okay because we've all started drinking, so we'll make up for them, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, loads on the podcast today. We've got a film buff or film bluff quiz for you. We've also got a brand new feature where we all go on a five year space mission and choose items to take with us. That'll be really good. And we're going to open the show with some nerdy recommendations. So, hey, John, how about you go first? My first recommendation is a documentary called 78-52. I've seen this. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, It's a feature-length documentary entirely about the psycho shower scene. The 52-second <laughs> scene where, spoiler, Janet Lee gets a, a stabbing in the shower. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's <laughs> Was that a guinea pig? <laughs> <laughs> Talks to a lot of famous filmmakers who were inspired by it, and it goes into literally shot-by-shot details of how it was edited and put together and the effect it's had on films going forward. I mean, they literally frame by frame mm-hmm. describe how every moment is done in the film. It's fantastic. Because it's supposed to be one of these things where you really don't see what you think you see. It's not like you an don't. illusion, isn't it? Yeah. Is it also true that they uh, submitted the censors and the censors said, oh, it's too violent, take a couple more cuts mm, out. Yeah. And they put back in exactly the same edit. Yeah. yeah. And it passed the second time. I think more than two times. I think it kept going back and forth and it just didn't make any changes. <laughs> you never actually see Janet Lee being stabbed. It's not Anthony Perkins in the uh, wig and dress, and it's not even Janet Leigh for a lot of it. It's a body double who is still with us and gives quite an interesting recollection of it. And it's surprisingly still fit at the age of 82. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't that film change the movie-going experience? Because up until then, you could go into a movie theatre at any point during a film, which kind of coined the phrase, this is where I came in. But uh, because of that scene being so early on and Hitchcock knew that that was his star and that was a really shocking moment, he made people go in at the start. Yeah, because if people went in more than a third of the way through, they'd just be like, where's the lead actress? But it's a, it's a great documentary. It's one of my favourite films, so it's interesting to see it analysed in that level of detail. I'd like to talk about a Counterpart, which I don't think any of you have seen. No. It's a, an American TV series. It's on the Stars Network. I don't think it has a broadcaster in the UK yet, but I would be surprised if it doesn't. It's about parallel universes using the analogy of the Cold War. So it's set in Berlin. It has very much the feeling of a spy thriller. The idea is that there was a flu epidemic which hit the other side. And there's a load of people over there think it was caused by our side. So that's where some of the espionage and spy intrigue comes from. Its strength's probably J.K. Simmons, mm. who plays two roles. The spy from the other side, who's much more worldly wise, knows what he's doing, knows how the world works. And a guy on our side who's much more naive, is an office drone. He then gets deployed across on the other side so that the spy can then function in our world and try and resolve problems between the two worlds. Six or seven episodes in, it's certainly keeping us hooked. I'd mm. recommend it when you get the chance. Sounds great. Sounds like an episode of Star Trek with the Prime Universe, the, the Mirror Universe. A similar kind of concept to that? Or? It's not so much about the differences between the universes in the way that a Star Trek mirror universe normally is, and also quite often an opportunity to have people being the evil character who has lots of cleavage for some mm. reason. <laughs> I don't want to see J.K. Simmons <laughs> in a Basque. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On a rhino. Oh, God. <laughs> don't start that again. Well, pretty much the opposite spectrum of that is a film I went to see last week called Game Night, uh, which is a comedy. It's directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who are the writers behind Horrible Bosses. And it actually says on the movie poster from the, the, you know, the guys who brought you Horrible Bosses, which to me is a little bit of a threat. Yeah, I, I, I hated Horrible Bosses. It wasn't great. Um, so I went in with the kind of expectations that it would be a kind of run-of-the-mill comedy kind of like that. But I really enjoyed it. So the premise is... Um, um, it stars Jason Bateman and uh, Rachel McAdams and they play a married couple um, and they have game nights every Saturday, but it's kind of, it's boring. It's like Pictionary and, you know, guess who, that kind of thing. Um, and then Jason Bateman's older brother, um, played by Kyle Chandler, comes to town mm-hmm. and he's always been very jealous of him. He's, a, he's really rich, f- flashy, you know, better looking brother. 
he decides to raise the stakes. So he invites them all over to his mansion um, and sets them a kind of a murder mysteries game. You know, and he says, you know, you're not going to know what's real and what's fake. Um, and then suddenly some masked men comes in and uh, uh, kidnaps Kyle Chandler's uh, character. And, you know, all the while he's kind of going, no, guys, no. And then they're all applauding going, that's, that's, that's acting. <laughs> that, is, that, that is commitment when he's like falling through a glass table and everything. So the movie kind of takes on lots of, lots of twists and turns. It's genuinely a very, very funny film. And I'm quite sceptical about comedies. And I don't find lots of things quite funny. Um, but I, I, I laugh my way a lot through it. And I think the standout scene is where Jason Bateman, uh, he's shot through the arm. So he and his wife um, are trying to kind of fix this bullet hole by um, pouring on Chardonnay and then going on a Russian mafia website, <laughs> uh, just trying to like decode all the, all the language and everything. It's really, really funny. Uh, loads and twists and turns. Um, so yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're in the mood for not thinking too much, but you know, you want a kind of genuinely entertaining evening, go for, go for game night. I really enjoyed it. The other thing I saw was a live performance of the Elvis Dead um, what would make Evil Dead Two better? Elvis. Elvis. Exactly. <laughs> so this is this is a one man show by a comedian called Rob Kemp, who um, performs a hour fifteen minute concert of Evil Dead Two as a one man Elvis impersonator. <laughs> I'd like to see a two man Elvis impersonator. That'd be interesting. <laughs> um, so you've got on the background, you've got the film um, being shown a projector in the background while he performs Elvis tunes over the top. Um, so instead of uh, you were always on my mind, as he chops his hand off, he sing, sings you were always on my arm. Performs <laughs> a song to his arm. Um, <laughs> Viva Las Vegas becomes read out the pages as he's reading the pages from the Necromunican. Could you sing that in the style, please? I can't, no. <laughs> um, I'm sure Ian can. Ian, Would you care to oblige? Read up Exactly. <laughs> Um, suspicious Minds becomes wrapped up in vines. <laughs> um, but um, it works really, really well. It's hilarious. And he's such a great physical performer. So you get all the physical stuff from The Evil Dead 2 as well. So when he's fighting his possessed hand, he's there on stage, um, pulling himself across the stage and then smashing plates over his head whilst singing Elvis songs. Does the movie play in real time all the way through? Um, it's an edited version because right. I think the movie's about an hour and a half. Uh-huh. And this runs an hour 15, but with an intro and a bit at the end. There's this sort of weird connection between Bruce Campbell and Elvis because there was Bubba Hotep, mm-hmm. where he essentially plays Elvis, doesn't Brilliant he? Brilliant movie. Yeah. Brilliant movie. Where they kind of go and, uh, I can't remember the plot. It's, it's a retirement sort of, home. Yeah. Elvis is in a retirement home uh, uh, with John F. Kennedy, who's a, an old black man. Oh, yeah. And I can't remember who the other famous <laughs> ones are. And uh, the retirement home is attacked by aliens. And, and they, uh, I think is it a mummy? It. Is it Hotep? I think it, it's a mummy. Yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's the ancient. Yeah, it's not aliens, is it? It's a, yeah, it's an ancient mm-hmm. mummy decides to attack the old people's home. It's very. I, funny. Think, I think that was the inspiration. I think they were watching Bubba Hotep, mm. and then had a few beers at the pub and realised that Evil and Elvis are pretty much the same word, and it went from then. It was on at the. Uh, it was on at the Free Fringe, uh, in August last year in a very small pub, and after the first week, you couldn't get near. Mm. Uh, it was sort of a real word of mouth hit. Uh, it was nominated for best newcomer, and he's been touring it sort of for the rest of the rest of the year. Um, it started at half eleven downstairs in a theatre in Soho, so the entire audience was uh, in quite a receptive frame of mind. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I took my girlfriend, who had never seen Evil Dead Two and had no idea what the plot was, and she enjoyed it, but was incredibly confused throughout. I'm going to recommend a cure for wellness which I watched this week. It's a contentious film. I know somebody, someone in this room thinks it's a pile of shite. Uh, <laughs> but we'll find out who that is in a moment. But I found it quite intriguing and, and uh, it kind of stayed with me for a few days after. I can't say whether I really liked it or not, but it certainly was an interesting watch. The story revolves around a accountant working for a big law firm who is sent to a health farm to extract the owner of the company to bring him back for an important merger meeting. So he travels off to, I think it's Austria stroke Germany stroke somewhere in the Germans and uh, arrives at this sort of beautiful ancient Gothic castle stroke health farm where all of the inhabitants seem incredibly happy dressed in white gowns out on the lawns playing badminton and it all seems idyllic as they go for their regular treatments. 
But soon it becomes very dark. It's very similar to, I suppose, Shutter Island has lots of resonances in, in the story. When he happens upon a young girl who's like 12 years old living at this health farm, and it all goes wrong from there. As the uh, actor in it is what you call him from Valerian. Dane DeHaan. That's him, yeah. So he's the lead actor uh, from the uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Pointless Movies, uh, <laughs> which is a terrible film, uh, Dirge. And he's terrible in it, but he's actually quite good in this film, I think. Yeah, so it turns very dark. It's very um, Wicker Man, and it's got a brilliant baddie, Jason Isaacs. You know, mm-hmm. he's awesome. always worth. Yeah. He's always worth the money, isn't he? John, what did you think of it? I thought it was fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he had no idea what it wanted to be. It, it just meanders. It, it, the plot makes no sense. It's a bad Shutter Island ripoff. <laughs> Stop trying to make that bloke an actor. It's not going to happen. He's had two chances already and he's terrible in both of them. I liked Valerian, um, but he was the worst thing in it by a long way. Yeah. He's he's not the worst thing in this, but that's only because it has a script which is worse. Yes, the story uh, mm. goes all over the place and uh, some of the performances are unusual to say the least. But I do like when worlds are conceived well and I had absolutely brilliant production design mm-hmm. and it's- shot beautifully and the, and the soundtrack was absolutely cracking, mm. really cracking. And actually uh, quite a few jumps in it. Uh, but not in the kind of horror style. Just when people mm. just suddenly turn up and you jump out your seat. Really good. It reminded me, you're right, it reminded me of Shut of Island, but it just made me want to watch Shut of Shut Island, Island again. Shut of Island is a good film, yeah. yeah. Uh, my cure for wellness is to watch a different film. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my cure for wellness in my hand. <laughs> well, that sounds completely wrong, doesn't <laughs> <laughs> it? It's a beer, it's a beer. Ian's got a bottle of Budweiser. In my left hand. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for Film Buff or Film Bluff. This is our regular quiz. And what happens here is that all of us nerds have got three pieces of entertainment trivia, but they have made up one of these pieces of trivia. So two bluffs, no, two buffs and one bluff. (laughs) My Film Buff or Film Bluff relates to behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings. One of the first DVD extras where I wept because I was not part of the production. So the first one. Sean Bean was terrified of helicopters. Of course, much of the filming for the first part of the trilogy was done in the mountains. So he would climb to the filming location dressed as Boromir. Billy Boyd who played Pippin, of course, um, as well as being both an actor and a musician, is an avid photographer, and he would take photos of pretty much all of the goings-on around the set and cover all of the makeup trailers in photos. At the end of filming, he bought one of the makeup trailers as a memento. And the third one is that Viggo Mortensen put so much effort into his performances that he was always getting injured. So the moment he breaks his toe is in the movie when he kicks the orc's helmet. And at Helm's Deep, he broke his tooth and asked one of the film crew to superglue it back on. Mm. So which one is the bluff? Okay. And does anyone know any of them for sure? No. Oddly enough, I think I do. And you will find out why when you get to my film buff off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm tempted by the helicopter being the bluff. I did climb all the way up to the location. Sounds a bit... Surely they'd take his outfit up in a helicopter yeah. and he could do it in climbing gear. Or so. I mean, how how big were these mountains? Then he'd have to take more like costume crew up the mountains when they did Not that he can't dress himself. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's why they have costume crew. <laughs> I'm going for that one, I think. Yes. The second one was the, the photos. Uh, yeah, so Billy Boyd would take photos of all of the um, the goings-on, the activities. And then, and then he bought um, the makeup it, trailer. Yeah, he bought the makeup trailer as a memento. Why did he not just take the photos off the walls? You can ask him. I just... Somewhere <laughs> to keep them in. So, I suppose, yeah. I, ha- I have a vague memory of there being a book of Billy Boyd's photos being published. Mm. Oh, I may just have imagined that, but... I can't believe that Sean Bean would climb up a mountain. I can't believe he'd be scared of helicopters because yeah. he's a manly man, Sean. And I can certainly believe the super goon the tooth. Yeah. That's quite possible as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, all of us have picked probably the first one yes, that we don't so, believe. Yes, yeah. the first one. Okay, you are all completely wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sean Bean, and he talks about it in his interviews, absolutely terrified of flying, especially in helicopters. So Peter Jackson talks about how they would go up in the helicopters like two hours after Sean Bean set off. And they could just see him in his shield and all his costume. 
So that wow. is completely true. Cool. Wow. The one I made up, and it's um, yeah, it's a little bit of mean. Uh, it wasn't Billy Boyd. It was Viggo Mortensen who took all the photos. Yeah. Um, but he created some wonderful stuff. Actually, uh-huh. you should you should go online and but check out his photos. He did buy the trailer. He did buy the trailer. Oh. Yes. And he did uh, put so much effort into his performances that he did break everything. I think most people broke at least one bone on that set. Orlando Bloom broke his ribs. Um, and I think Gimli's uh, stunt double, uh, Brett, I think his name is, he injured his knee. So that scene in the two towers where they're all running after Marion Pippin, who's been kidnapped by the orcs, they're basically Orlando Bloom's just like, just got, <laughs> got a broken rib. Viggo Mortensen got, got a broken toe, and um, uh, Gimli's stunt double's got a broken knee. So they're like they would they would shoot it, and they would go running, and then Peter Jackson would yell "cut," and they go "oh man," ah, <laughs> ah, and then they'd shoot again. But uh, yeah. All enough, my film bluff or film buff is about injuries during <laughs> filming of films, oh, okay. and one of them is Lord of the Rings. During the filming of Lord of the Rings. Sean Astin wore a wig to play the character that he played. Samwise Gamgee. Gamgee. Yeah. Uh, during a scene with Gollum, Andy Serkis pulled um, Sean Astin's wig off, but it was glued to his head and it caused him so much pain he ran off the set screaming. <laughs> Injury number two, Danny DeVito broke his wrist and three ribs when Arnold Schwarzenegger sat on him during the making of Twins. They didn't actually believe he was really injured because after he injured him, Danny DeVito stood up and went, ow, me back. And they thought they were taking the piss out of Squatchnigger's catchphrase when in fact he had genuinely <laughs> injured his back. <laughs> oh, ow, mm. me back. <laughs> and number oh, three, join the filming of... <laughs> Join the filming of period film The Eagle. Should we just stop here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no point reading out the yeah. third one. <laughs> During the filming of period film The Eagle, Channing Tatum suffered serious burns to his penis after a member of the crew poured boiling hot water down his pants. Why? Why? Yeah. Um, because he was doing a scene set in a river and the river is very cold. And what they do when they're going into a river is that they mix the cold river water with hot water to give some lukewarm water. They pour down their pants to make it easier for them to go in like a sliding scale. But the assistant <laughs> forgot to mix the water and poured boiling hot water down Chatham's pants, causing serious burns to his penis. Hurt his tatums. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, the first one's absolutely true. I've seen that on camera. He rips the wig off and Sean Aston just storms off. So everyone's going, oh dear, he's throwing a hissy. <laughs> um, yeah, so that one's true. Okay. And uh, does anyone believe the second one? Not the, at the all. I'll be back stuff. So that sounds like John. I'll be me. back. I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> I'm going for the second one. <laughs> it's very, it's very typically much. John. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, don't, I, th- I think I've heard Channing Tatum talk about his broken penis before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you dreamt that? <laughs> yeah. Let uh, me help you fix I'll... it. I'm a nurse. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. No. No, it's not, it's not my thing. No. What's not your thing? Channing Tatum. Oh. Burnt penises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see the attraction to him at all. So, Peter, do you think number two is a lie or number I three? I think number two is a lie. Number two is bollocks, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not burnt bollocks, but yeah. just... Uh, apparently, Channing Tatum got driven to the hospital with his security guard, who was an ex-SAS guy, and was begging the security guard to knock him out because he couldn't stand the pain. Yeah. Has anyone seen The Eagle? I uh, don't think so. In, so I, that was worth the effort. I was say, has anyone heard of the eagle? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I've got a film buff or film Muff. bluff. <laughs> uh, low, you don't have to be a film buff because it's all pure guesswork, this one. Okay. Uh, it's all about me. <laughs> so which one of these... When is it, is, when <laughs> is it not? Yeah. <laughs> which one of these is true? Okay. Mel Gibson gave me his banana. Number one. <laughs> is this a euphemism or...? <laughs> uh, not saying, not saying. <laughs> Tom Baker told me to piss off. And my wife Beverly has kissed Gene Kelly. Oh. Which one of those is the bluff? I can believe this. I can believe someone telling you to piss off. Yeah, I totally <laughs> believe that one. And I can also believe you pestering a Doctor the Who. The thing is, I know Ian is a massive, massive Doctor Who fan. And I've known you about 10 years. And you talk about Doctor Who a lot. And I would imagine that you would have told us before if Tom Baker had broken your heart in that way. 
<laughs> when did Gene Kelly die? And how old was he when he died? I don't know, but I'm going to dance like Gene Kelly next week. Are you? Yeah. There's a thing on in Gateshead. I'm going to learn yeah. how to dance like him. Anyway, sorry, I don't know when he died. <laughs> I'm just, because he must have been quite, I'm just imagining Bev Foster herself with a failed Gene Kelly. I, I can believe the third one. I think, yeah. yes, she probably would force herself on the frail Gene Kelly. And I can definitely believe Tom Breaker telling you to piss off. I can imagine Mel Gibson giving you a banana. Mm. That's the weirdest. Gave me his banana, mm. not just It was his banana. banana. Did you ask him for it or did he just offer you I the banana? Say, mm. Well, he can. I think Tom Baker is mm. the bluff. Just think, when would you have had the opportunity to meet Mel Gibson? Braveheart filming? I think I think Mel Gibson's the buff. Are you going for Mel Gibson? Yeah, I'm going for Tom Baker. Tom Baker. Um, I know. Go for the third one. Someone's going to be right. No, I I think Tom Baker you've met, but I don't think he told you to piss off. So I think yeah, I think that's the bluff. You think he swore at him with a different swear word? Yeah, I think he said something worse. (laughs) No, I think he said something nice to you. I'm sure. Well, yes, the bluff is Tom Baker. Oh. Was at Saver Center in Washington <laughs> when I was thirteen years old, and uh, well, I was queuing up for his signature, uh, and uh, it got to the end of the queue, and I held up my book, and he went, "Oh, sorry, darling, I don't have time. I had to get up and leave, Aww. so I never got his signature." <gasps> but he was very nice about it. Uh, Mel Gibson did give me his banana. I was at Elstree Studios doing some crappy little advert many years ago, and we we're all in the canteen together. And Mel Gibson was shooting Braveheart, and we ended up at the same table as Mel, uh, who was very small, very short guy, mm-hmm. yeah, very small guy. And sort of everyone chatting away. And at the end, he just got up and said, do you want my banana? And I went, yes, please. And so I had his banana. Was it, do you want my banana sugar tits? <laughs> no. <laughs> that happened <Yes>. later. <laughs> and yes, Beverly has kissed Jean Kelly when she was, uh, this sounds wrong, but it's not. She was four years old. <laughs> and she was in a lift All right. at Tiny T's Television. And he was up there because Bev's dad was a singer. And uh, they got the lift together and he patted her on the head and he picked her up and, and gave her a little kiss on the cheek. Oh, wow. Huh. Which he constantly tells me about. <laughs> <laughs> he was better than you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah my, my movie buff or bluff is on carry-on films. So that'll be great for Hazel, who's never I've seen a carry-on film. I've never seen a single carry-on film. Shame. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I think we should make her watch one for her. Make her. Oh, yes. Let's <laughs> <laughs> tie her down. <laughs> I, uh, I apologise if this <laughs> takes 20 minutes to do Let's this expose movie. expose <laughs> 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 I mean, if you don't have any on DVD, I can always give you one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you don't need to see them. You've just I was going to say, I pretty into, much know all yeah. the references. Yep. They are famous for embodying sort of British postcard humour, which is very out of date and old-fashioned now. But they also had a knack sometimes of reflecting social things of the time. So they would say, carry on at your convenience was actually about trade union relations. Carry on, Cabbie was about feminism. <laughs> this is a bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. That is actually true. Is it? Is this the, the thing? I'm done. I was yes. going to say. Yeah. This is the true bit. I'm in that university doing women in film and a film feminism module and Carry on, Cabbie never. Never came up. No, Cabbie. Cabbie. Cabbie was about the old guard of the male taxi drivers being usurped by a group of attractive-looking girls. It was actually about feminism. <laughs> I'm not saying it was a good example of feminism, but that's what it was about. Anyway. Okay, so the um, the Buffalo Bluff is they made 20, 30 films, maybe? Something like that. There's, there's loads of them. Um, but there are some titles that they started work on and didn't finish. Um, so these are ones that they actually seriously considered, but didn't make a movie for. So the first one... <laughs> this is going to be hard. <laughs> The first one is Carry On Smoking. Smirking. Oh, smoking. Smoking, smoking yeah. which is set in a fire station. The second one is Carry On Spaceman. That was in about 1961, and it was satirising the space race, obviously between Russia and America at the time. And the third one is Carry On Colditz, which was a spoof of Second World War escape movies that he had at the time. So which of those oh, is true and which one. is not true? I can believe Carry On Cold, it's just because it's got a nice ring to it. I can imagine them um, having fun dressing up as Nazis mm. and pants falling off. Mm-hmm. Carry On Spaceman. But is it a suitable mm. subject, Kelditz? Well, they did do things like Carry On Up the Khyber, uh, mm. Carry On Foreign Legion, 
Carry on, Spaceman. That that I, I mean, I have no idea, but that one did like like oh, Peter's made that one up because he liked space. Mm. Carry on smoking. <laughs> I know there was, there was certainly talk about doing one with firemen, mm. and that came quite close to happening. And quite a lot of jo- jokes about sliding up and down poles. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and. Helmets. Yeah, hel- your helmets. It's all there, isn't it? Big red. Watch where you put your hose. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there, isn't it? Um, oh. I, th- I think I've read the same article that you read where you may have got this from. Possibly. Possibly. Because I went down a carry on Wikipedia wormhole a couple of days ago. I think I may have been chatting to you on Facebook at the time. Uh-huh. I think carry on cold, it doesn't ring a bell. Carry on smoking definitely rings a bell. And carry on spaceman also rings a Vague bell. I'm sure carry on smoking was definitely one that they were talking about making. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe carry on, because you've got to think about the casting as well. So you've got all the women in there. So how are they going to really fit into the carry on, Colt story other than being female guards or something? Or a woman imprisoned that they all think is a man. Or Barbara Windsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plans well, behind bars. <laughs> I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna follow John and go for Colditz as being the bluff. Um, John nearly persuaded me, but no, I'm gonna say go for Spaceman. Okay, mm. it's actually Carry On Colditz. Mm. Uh, though they were thinking of doing one about escape movies generally called Carry On Escaping. Another one that they rejected was Carry On Dallas which was going to be based on the TV show, Dallas, until they found out that Lorimar wanted about 30 times their budget to license using the name Dallas. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend that you watch Carry On Screaming, by far the best Carry On movie. Is that a real one? (laughs) Yeah, it's one of the ones I suggest. It's not the horror Mickey take. It's very good. Okay, I'll start with that one. Fenella Fielding smoking. Oh. (laughs) 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 Lovely long velvet dress. (laughs) Now it's time for Shameful Gap. Uh, so this is a regular feature that we do where if any of us has not seen something nerdy and famous and should have done, they own up to the podcast world and watch that film for the very first time. And then we all talk about it. So who's guilty of the Shameful Gap? <laughs> it's me again. Oh. I, <laughs> I have, have another Have you ever one. seen a film? <laughs> <laughs> Massive gap you've got. <laughs> <laughs> So my second shameful gap. <laughs> we filled we filled the first one. There's only, there's only four left. <laughs> the first one was filled by Robocop, <laughs> um, and the second one was filled by the Big Lebowski. It's <laughs> just gone purple now. He had a mouthful of beer at the time. Yeah, I'd never seen the Big Lebowski, so. Um... <laughs> Have you seen a little Lebowski? Are you okay? I'm fine. I've yeah. stopped now. Compose. <laughs> okay, so the Big Lebowski came out in 1998. It stars Jeff Bridges as the dude, who's an awesome character. Um, and it's directed by the Coen brothers. And it's also got John Goodman. It's got loads and loads of people that I really, really like. Steve Buscemi, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Julianne Moore. Yeah, the basic premise, if anyone's not seen it, Jeff Bridges' character, the dude, is called Jeff Lebowski. And it's kind of a case of mistaken identity. His house is broken into by some thugs who think that he is another Jeff Lebowski and basically end up beating him up a little bit and then peeing on his carpet, which is kind of a recurring joke because all he wants is his rug back that they, that they peed on. Um, he's like, that's, that's all I wanted is my rug. It made the room. Um, ties the room together. Ties the room together. Yeah, absolutely. So the intended victim was the big Lebowski. It all comes down to some demand money. His wife owes to a porn magnet who is a loan shark. So there's lots of things kind of going wrong, um, lots of mistaken identity. I didn't follow the plot entirely. I'm not entirely sure where the money ended up. You know, I'm not really sure what went on, but it doesn't really matter because I think that the the jokes, the soundtrack, the whole, that, that character, that central character of Jeff Bridges, who is, 
you know, everything's kind of going wrong around him, but he kind of takes it in his stride a little bit. Uh, that kind of made the film for me. So I, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I don't normally go for kind of wacky comedies. It's not really my thing, but I really, really enjoyed this one. It is an odd one because it, it's very funny, but it's not like it has jokes in it exactly. It's not ha-ha jokes. It's very unlike the comedy you mentioned no, at the beginning of the programme, for example. No, it's not like a gag a minute. It's um, it's just kind of the, the dialogue, um, which the Coen brothers are famous for, um, was really, really funny. And it, I quite like the fact that this came out, um, I think it came out directly after Fargo, which is their first commercial it success. It did, but I think they wrote it beforehand. Because I was like, oh, I quite like the fact that they had a commercial success and then wrote this. And it was true. I mean, it was a bit of a flop when it came out. Yeah, that's true. It had a, I think it was a $15 million budget and it only made five at the box office. And it's kind of grown in cult that, that was the first week take in the US. Yeah. 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 It's kind of grown. And even the critics kind of put it down because they didn't really understand it. Although Empire gave it a five star review when it first came out. So kudos to them. So yeah, it, it's kind of grown in popularity and I just, it just passed me by. I just, just never saw it. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad I did now. I really enjoyed it. I fell asleep. I did. I fell asleep. I don't know why. Just didn't do it. I'm not looking up Coen Brothers movies, but this one just left me cold. How recently did you see it? When it first came out. Right. I think it's time to watch it again. I'll watch it again. I'll give it another chance. I mean, for me, I, I remember watching it. I don't really remember much about I, it. I, all then. I remember is some bowling at some yeah, point. Exactly. Lots of bowling. Yeah. 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 And John Goodman um, being very fanatical about bowling. So that when someone tried to. Um, uh, have a score, but he stepped over the line, so it was a foul, so it would be been zero. He actually pulls a gun on him. Do you remember that bit? <laughs> no. But nothing, there's no consequences for it. They're quite funny. Well, the police, do, the police do come, but they, they've they escaped see it. by then. Yeah. You <laughs> see it in the background. The next day. They're, they're both in the car talking, and you see the no. police arrive behind. But they, they I'm not very up. upset. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what is your favourite Coen Brothers film that you've seen? It might actually, everything might be trumped by three billboards inside Ebbing, Missouri. So that's not a Coen Brothers movie. Mm. No. no. I thought it was. No, it stars his it wife. Yeah. Francis McDormand is married to one of the Coen Brothers. I know, he's yeah. married to Joel, but I thought it was a Coen Martin Brothers. McDonough. So not, the, not that one then. <laughs> <laughs> not that one. Anyone else want to add to this? Is it Garfield? <laughs> <laughs> well, for, for, me, yeah. for me, it's a toss-up between um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and Raising Arizona. I loved Raising Arizona. I don't think I've seen that one. That's the one I haven't seen. Oh, oh no, no, yes. I don't say Shame. That. <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, for me, it's The Big Lebowski or Barton Fink or Fargo. It would be Fargo, probably out of all of them, mm-hmm. I think. I've seen that a few times and enjoyed it every time. I enjoy the TV show as well. The, the, the Big Lebowski, I think, I think the plot doesn't matter. It's just all, yeah. about, all about the characters. And the dialogue and the rhythm. You get the impression I think Jeff Bridges has just played himself from yeah. subsequent interviews with him. They did say that they didn't give him any direction at all. Mm-hmm. The only thing was had I'm having drugs before this scene or not, and the, yeah. in which case he'd rub his eyes and make them red. Yeah. That's right. He's also wearing his own clothes through most of it. I love the fact that he was wearing jelly sandals throughout <laughs> the entire thing. That was great. Um, I think my second favourite character after uh, Jeff Bridges was Julianne Moore. I have never seen her like that before. She's mm. normally playing quite straight characters. Apparently she was based on a cross between a famous artist and Yoko Ono. That's the, that was her inspiration for it. Famous artist and Yoko Ono. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. because the two no, are very different. No, a famous artist who does the naked on a trapeze thing, wasn't it? So, yeah, uh, Julianne Moore plays uh, the big Lebowski's daughter who's trying to get to the bottom of the alleged kidnapping of his wife. And it kind of has her own agenda because um, she just wants to have a baby. So she and the dude um have sex and then uh, she's kind of doing yoga poses afterwards and he kind of wanders in and goes what 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 is that like yoga and, and she was like no it helps with the conception and he's like what <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was very funny yeah she's uh, she's brilliant in it i really enjoyed her it introduced me to white russians that's my abiding takeaway from the big lebowski mm. the white russian cocktail if you've ever had one is i a, have an excellent very drink nice. what's in it vodka obviously it's vodka cream lots of cream and milk oh. yeah. and a kalua i think vodka kalua and cream apparently the role of the big lebowski um there was quite some famous names involved in that so there was a uh, robert duvall uh, gene hackman was considered um but the coen brothers really wanted marlon brando to do it but it was at the point where 
Marlon Brando was kind of coming to the end of his career and life. <laughs> Have you heard the story? I think the the last film he did, or the last major film he did, was the Frank Oz one, where it was him, Robert De Niro, and Edward Norton. The score that was it. You think it was brilliant caster Brando, De Niro, Ed Norton? It's a terrible, terrible film. But if you notice, all of Marlon Brando's scenes are shot from the waist up, mm. and it was because he was quite large at this yep. point, mm. and Frank Oz. Which is like I don't care, I'll shoot you. So uh, Marlon Brando refused to wear pants during the, <laughs> the the filming of it. It was just there in his underwear, just yeah. so Frank Oz couldn't shoot any full body shots of him. Wow! <laughs> and also, Marlon Brando would only take direction from Frank Oz in doing his Miss Piggy voice. <laughs> God. But yeah, the Coen brothers were big fans of Brando and would often amuse themselves by quoting a lot of the dude's favourite lines, like strong men also cry in a Brando accent. <laughs> so, um, But yeah, what, who were they eventually cast? David Huddleston was great. I can't imagine anyone else in that role now. So um, all worked out in the end. I actually had to go and check the cast list for that one because I thought at one point it might have been Philip Seymour Hoffman playing both the character he does play, which he's great in. Yeah. Um, I th- also thought he might be playing that character with heavy makeup on. <laughs> But he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of Easter eggs that I found, um, stroke read about <laughs> in The Big Lebowski. So uh, Steve Buscemi's character, Donnie, he can never get a word out before John Goodman's character tells him to shut the fuck up, which is a direct reference to uh, Steve Buscemi's character in Fargo, who's like constantly kind of going and talking and stuff, chattering nonstop. And did you read about the, the church founded in 2006, the uh, Church of the Latter-day Dude? Uh, which yes. has 220,000 priests, apparently, <laughs> all ordained on their website. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, sparked a new religion called Judaism, I believe, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is about not preaching too much. <laughs> Peter Stonewall, who is brilliant in everything that he does, particularly in um, Prison Break. One of the only reasons he opens his mouth in Fargo is in search of a pancake house. And he actually finds the pancake house in the Big Lebowski. <laughs> it finally uh, pays off. Yeah, um, which is great. Steve Buscemi again, famously when he dies in Coen Brothers movies, um, his kind of body parts get less and less. So first he's a corpse (laughs) in Fargo. He's got a disembodied leg and now he's just ashes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, as I say, I really enjoyed it. Normally what makes a film for me is a strong plot, which is why Seven is my favourite movie. And this one, I don't think the plot was strong at all, but it didn't spoil my enjoyment of it because I just found myself laughing out loud at loads of moments. Uh, I wouldn't say I'd be rushing to watch it again. Um, You'd be white rushing to watch it again. I'll watch it again with a white Russian, the the drink. That's probably a good idea. um, There is a drinking game, I think, where you've got to drink a white Russian every time he drinks. Every time he does? Every time he has a sip of a white Russian in the film, you've got to have one. Mm. He's in every scene of the film. Yeah, normally with a white Russian in his hand. Mm. So That should be entertaining. Enjoy (laughs) the the last 20 minutes of the film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why don't you like it, Ian? When was it out? 1985, 88? 1998. I think I probably just wasn't very mature then. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think you'd probably see it differently now. Yeah. Now that you're grown up and all that. No, I'm grown up and all that <laughs> shit. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it another go. But it ain't no short circuit too. Ian, you've been checking the news out today. What, what's been happening? Well, there's been a couple of bits of breaking news. Ooh. Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow? Yes. Trevorrow, rather. Jurassic World Jurassic director. Jurassic 3. He's just been announced he's going to direct that. Uh-huh. Interesting. Mm. Doing the, the Star Wars thing, aren't they? Bringing the first guy from the trilogy back to mm-hmm. close it off. And uh, also uh, the Boba Fett movie. How oh, is this happening? Uh, they're in talks with Gareth Edwards to direct it. Hmm. So that'd be interesting. Because mm, he had such a good time on Rogue One. Yeah, he had a brilliant time. <laughs> <laughs> he's learned how to do what he's told now. Mm-hmm. Is, is Boba Fett going to be in Solo? Does anyone know? It would make sense because yeah. he's around at about that time, isn't he? I want to see a Boba Fett movie in a way I don't want to see a Han Solo movie because there's enough of the character there that hasn't been explored yeah. on screen. I don't give a shit about how Han Solo got the Millennium Falcon. Right, so we thought it'd be fun. Well, I thought it'd be fun um, to try a brand new. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> we we tried to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I am your nerd queen. You must do what I say. Yes, oh mistress, <laughs> <Pop> mistress. 
Um, yeah, well, basically, we're all going on a five-year space mission and we've got to choose one movie, one TV show and one fake astronaut that has appeared in uh, a movie to take with us. So first of all, what movie would we all take with us? Ooh, I would take Goodfellas. Pourquoi? Uh, because it's quite long. It's not five years long. It's not five years long, no. Uh, I thought it'd be quite good because uh, it's a film that you can watch over and over again and always enjoy it and find something new in it. And also, I we... wouldn't know. I've never seen it. Shame. <laughs> That's word for word what I wrote about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, apparently we don't get to take any music on this five-year mission. And Goodfellas has an amazing soundtrack, so you get like, you know a lot of enjoyable music in there as well. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't allowed to take a porno. <laughs> That was. What? I never said that. Am I alone on this five year mission? (laughs) (laughs) And do I have the internet? Because if not, if the answer is yes and yes, I may change my decision. (laughs) Um, I am going to take airplane um, because. I think I'm gonna need I'm gonna need some light relief, especially if I'm going with John. I think John's gonna need some light relief already. Oh, enough, this was one of my that I nearly said airplane. That light, was one of my light relief, is that where you put your knob up against it? <laughs> <laughs> the bulb. Anyway. Um yeah, I thought I will not take a sci fi film because I'll be sick of space by that point. Um and I'll want a comedy and Every time I watch Airplane, I've probably watched it about 20, 25 times. I still cry with laughter every time. You know, Don't Call Me Shirley, I Have Clearance, Clarence, Roger, Roger, all that kind of stuff it still gets me. So I don't think I will run out of patience with it after watching it over and again for five years. That's my choice. Have you seen Zero Hour, yeah. the film that Airplane is based on? No. Nope. Which they bought the script for. They bought the right? rights to it, yeah. When so it's technically a remake. Just, even the thing about like the food poisoning from the fish and lines of dialogue are exactly the same. It's just this ridiculous 1950s Z movie. A shot for shot as well Even in some places. I would take uh, with Nil and I, with Nail and I, into, into space with me. Uh, <laughs> because uh, it's incredibly funny. It, again, you can watch it over and over again. Um, but also it's set in the countryside. So I think after so many years in space, you might be to see what the planet looks like again. Mm-hmm. And also you can remind yourself of no matter how terrible your life is being stuck in this spaceship now for four years with no one to talk to, your life is never as bad as with Nail and Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will take 12 Monkeys because that's a film I've liked for years. Because you want to be creeped out for five years? No, it doesn't <laughs> creep me out. No, it's just me then. I I like the fact I notice different things every time I watch the film, which is almost exactly Mm -hmm. what John said Mm -hmm. uh, on Goodfellas. I I try and not watch it too often. I watch it every couple of years, and that way I'm always seeing something new every time. So Mm. I think it would be good. Though that means I only get to watch it twice if I was away for five years, so maybe that plan's not going to work. We could watch a minute a day. Mm. Yeah, spread it out. Spread it out. I think with, with Neil and I, you could play the, the we talked about the um, Big Lebowski drinking game, but there's also the with Neil and yes, I drinking is. game. Yes, And so you could play the drinking game and then pass out halfway through, wake up two weeks later, and it'll make the five years fly by. Yeah, it would do, yeah. Although I don't know where you get lighter fuel on a spaceship. You have to uh, maybe... Decant it from decant one of the, yeah, the fuel taps. Oh, because you're supposed to drink all the same things, aren't you, yeah. with, uh, with now? But there are there are some substitutions you're allowed to make because drinking lighter fluid is actually very bad for you. <laughs> so what you're supposed to drink? You instead? use tequila instead, oh, right. which is pretty much lighter fuel. Anyway. <laughs> all right, um, we're also allowed to take one TV show with us. So, John, what would be your TV show? Uh, all of Star Trek. You, you <laughs> bastard! That's what I'll take. <laughs> And um, because they want a five-year... not year, enough space for you. Well, they want a five-year mission, which I, I'm also apparently on. And there's how, there's hundreds of episodes of Star Trek, yeah. isn't there? So I reckon they've covered pretty much any eventuality for anything that's going to happen to me in this mm. space. So you're intending to use it as a guide? Like a guide, like the Hitchhiker's Guide, but... So in the way that normal people look on YouTube for a yeah. video to tell you how to fix a kettle or something. Yeah, like I'll be like, oh, there's a angry god that's actually a small child how do i handle this <laughs> they'll all be catalogued obviously with the problems that the crew face and how they solve them and i watched the episode kind of like the the really shitty last episode of enterprise where it's um riker solving the problem by going to watch what the crew of the enterprise did mm. so it's kind of like that so i will just i will have a how-to guide for 
any eventuality I would oh, come across this space. Exercise, um, yeah. episode again? Mm, yeah, I think so, yeah. Trouble with triples. Um, Have you seen the Deep Space Nine episode where they go back to that Trouble with Triples episode? Uh, that's the one I'm thinking that's of. The one, yeah, no, the Enterprise one is... Is it more tribbles, more tribbles, or something um, like that? Don't know. Triple, tribbles triple, and tribulations, tri- trials, or something. Triple, 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 triple. Um, I don't think it's going to be any kind of surprise. Uh, the TV show I'm going to take is the we West. West Wing. <laughs> West Wing, yes, because it is a mentally stimulating elocution safari, and that's all I'm going to say. But will it help you if you encounter a race where they only have two days to live? And also need a crystal that you need to fix your spaceship, but they won't give you it for three days. Of course, because I'll have the oratory skills of President Bartlett who can talk his way out of anything. So, yes. Hmm. So, what do you think mine would be? Doctor Who. No, no, it wouldn't actually. No, because Um, I think that would really uh, annoy me because, you know, all this amazing travelling in time, going anywhere instantly in the universe, and I'm stuck in a little rocket five years, no way of getting out of it. That would piss me off. No, I would take the complete Simpsons ah. with me. Mm-hmm. Always a laugh to be had. I think that would, that would get me through the dark and lonely nights. Can you not just take the first ten years of the Simpsons? <laughs> Why not the rest? Because it's not good after that. Well, do, you, do you still regularly, do you still watch the Simpsons now, the new episodes? No. <laughs> well, I'm are, saving though. them up for this journey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, unfortunately, John picked mine because I was going to pick the Star Trek. So do you have a plan B? Uh, I don't think I do. Actually, do you have different enough. reasons for taking Star Trek and using it as a glossary? Well, yeah, I wasn't planning on using it as a guide because I think that's a terrible idea. But I was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just the sheer number of episodes and the fact that you know they're always enjoyable as long as you don't watch them too often. Well, just in case your Star Trek plan doesn't work out, John, you are allowed to take a fictional astronaut with you. Yeah. So which one would you choose? I'm going to take a fictional pilot. I'm going to take the inflatable lady pilot for, uh, <laughs> from the from the, from the yeah. end of airplane. Yeah. Okay. Because she, that will help you. Well, she can she can autopilot the rocket when I want to break, <laughs> and she looks like a bit of dirty fun. <laughs> 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 Hi, Louise. <laughs> <laughs> I think an autopilot's a good idea, and again, lonely night. <laughs> I am going to take um, Dr. Ronald Quincy. Does anyone know who that is? Quincy D- Dr. Quincy, medicine woman. No, it's no. not a woman, it's a man. It's played by Jason Isaac. It's not technically an astronaut, but he's a research scientist from Armageddon. He um, He's introduced by Billy Bob Thornton's character as pretty much the smartest guy on the planet, mm-hmm. um, which means that he doesn't have a lot to say in Armageddon because it's stupid <laughs> <laughs> and very unscientific. Uh, but I think there's more than meets the eye. And he's the one who came up with the plan of uh, blowing the asteroid up from the inside. Mm. So I think that he so would So you'd prefer handy. that rather than evil Jason Isaac? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um... Or is the evil what you like? I do like a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Dr. Quinty um, for his um, m- mental stimulation. Just I would, I would like to take this opportunity to apologise to Ian for saying that a cure for wellness was the worst thing Jason Isaacs has ever done. I'd forgotten he was in Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, uh, I would take Barbarella oh, with me. Wouldn't we all? I don't see these say anymore, do I? <laughs> Jane Fonda in her 20s. Kick ass. Astronaut. And of course, she could bring her orgasmatron along. <laughs> for the journey. For the evenings. I saw, the, I've seen the original Barbara Villa costume in the Victorian Albert Museum. Oh, wow. Had a display about the counterculture of evolution. And it had uh, the original Barbara Villa costume in a case with an essay at the side about how sexist the film was, which kind of ruined it a little bit. The person I'm taking with me is not exactly an astronaut, but though he's a time traveller, it's the actor John Pertwee who I've seen speak uh, before when I went to sort of a convention nerdy thing where they talk about their lives. And he was fascinating. It was uh, a really phenomenally interesting experience of him talking about his life through show business and other things. Obviously, he's not with us anymore, but... um, You also know he's a uh, a, a notorious... Choose your words carefully. (laughs) (laughs) And after a few weeks, I think he might even take a shine to you. Oh, God. (laughs) 
Uh, it's the purple velvet that does it. We've already established that with Carry On Screaming. Oh, he's in purple helmet for a minute. <laughs> but I think it'd be great companion it would for be years. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And hopefully bring the Hoonabiel as well. <laughs> yes. He'd have signed your book, Ian. He would have signed the book. He would have signed the book, yeah. He's a time lord and he told you he didn't have enough time. That's ironic. <laughs> yes, I didn't notice that at the time. I was on screen. I think he was missed away by security. Sorry. Yeah. Loads of us left in the queue. Never mind. Oh, food. Oh, you can, we add, can we add food to the list? <laughs> oh. So you can only, only one meal. Give it a meal. You've got to have the same meal every day for five years. Yeah. Do, 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 is this super space food? Don't worry about uh, the health issues because yeah, obviously yeah. they're going to inject you with stuff to keep you healthy. But so you okay. can only have one kind of food or meal three times a day for the next five years. Fish and chips. Um, my mother's roast dinner in Yorkshire pudding. I would walk mm. back to Lincolnshire right now for one of those. It's amazing. <laughs> well, there's a bit of variety, isn't there, in a Sunday roast as well? Exactly. I'm not not just a hat rack. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it would probably be what I had at least half of the day. This is to cook my own lunch, which is... Uh, Tins, spaghetti, bolognese, something like that. Very, very, very nearly. It's like baked beans with little sausages. <laughs> it's very uh, whole cuisine. It's whole cuisine. Yeah, it's, you know... Undo the tins, pat it in a bowl, yeah, microwave, no and you works. <laughs> and you've got an empty can to fight off John Perpy with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would take a smorgasbord. Mm. Oh, I think Can you take a cornucopia? Would that be even no, better? Because a cornucopia isn't a type of food. A smorgasbord is. It consists of pretty much anything you want on a wooden board. <laughs> 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 so that's what I'd take with me. I don't think it's different things that constantly change, yeah. though. Could I take a all-you-could-eat world buffet? <laughs> <laughs> no reason why not. <laughs> Can I just ask who invented, like, why did we say yes to this space mission where we could only take one film and one person? And Are you um, bringing logic into yeah. this, John? I, mean, I think I'm, we probably volunteered before they actually got into the, the small print. print yeah. Yeah. Just like Elon Musk chloroformed us and we woke up in a spaceship. He's yeah. like, we listen to this podcast. Yeah. Here's all your stuff. <laughs> and I'm just looking at a, a prop blow-up doll from the night. So it's kind of, I really should have thought this through. Right? <laughs> and that is all we've got time for in this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Um, please check us out on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Nerdfest UK. Um, but until the next episode, you have been listening to Ian McLaughlin, Peter Johnson, John Farthing, and I'm Hazel Burton. See you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>I just like to commend you on the t-shirt you're wearing today, John. I didn't mention yes. this earlier. So John is wearing a t-shirt which says directed by Max Spielberg, Jaws 19 in theaters October 21st, 2015. Mm. Awesome. Was that your birthday present? That was a it was my Christmas present, I think. And the tagline is this time it's really really personal. Still better than Jaws 4. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the fucking money, shithead? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Oh.